You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may have been unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So today is going to be similar to an episode I did a few months back with another uh, client of mine, and it's an opportunity to kind of hear what it's what it's like to work with me but also you know what can kind of come up in the process and kind of what it can feel like and some of those takeaways i think it's important to kind of have a peek sometimes into you know and and hear and validate what it can be because sometimes it can feel like this is just me and there's no one else going through this and that's a difficult thing and i think that being able to know that you are not alone is an important part of it so I actually have a client with me that she has, she's actually been inspiring me. She's been very strong and she's been very resilient in the midst of her hitting a point in her journey that has not been easy, but then there's been a lot of things around her, around all of us in life that are happening, that are contributing to that. And for her staying and being resilient within her allyship imperfectly and being in action imperfectly for that you know i'm also telling her thank you and i would like for casey to introduce herself to you go ahead and talk to the audience hon. hi um thank you um my You're name welcome. is casey berglund and erica as you were just doing that little introduction and i'm listening to it i i uh Oh, I just feel this tenderness in my heart and like there's kind of tears just at the backs of my eyes and I I guess in this introduction I just need to presence that that this conversation in and of itself feels vulnerable for me in this very moment and yet um, I appreciate you reflecting back the resilience to like stay in the room because I guess I feel that and I'm sort of celebrating myself and just being that and showing up to talk with you in these hard conversations with these feelings of vulnerability, with the emotion that's present. Um, So I'm grateful for that. Um, Anyway, introduction. I uh, own a company called Worthy and Well and am the creator of the Let Your Body Lead TEDx Talk, uh, the professional certification and associated building (laughs) movement, I suppose. And uh, I'm in process and in the journey. Um, And I am in the middle of seeing what I didn't see before and also knowing that there's so much I still don't see in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so maybe that's a place to start, Erica, and you can kind of take it from there. I, I think that honestly what you just said is important, the seeing what you didn't see before. And I think it's... I I, I find very often that when people kind of start on this journey from a conscious place, because in my opinion, you start, you know, at some points before you even realize you are, because you're beginning to notice some things and it's kind of a subconscious thing. And 
when it reaches your conscious mind and you're like, huh, okay, something, something's coming up here. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I'm sensing. You've already kind of been doing some things that maybe you just weren't as aware of. But when you hit that point and you're like, okay, I, I need to pay attention to this. I mean, I, I think that in itself is definitely a piece of it. But I think there's that piece of, oh, I'm seeing things I didn't see before. And then there's the, oh, shit, I am seeing all the things. Yes. And it's very, I, I think that there's almost two kind of context to it, if that makes sense. Mm. Say more about that, the two contexts. I think, and this is where I would like for you to give a little bit of um, kind of what your journey has been with it. But I think that thing that brought you to, you know, have awareness of me and then to uh, kind of reach out to say that, yes, um, I do kind of want to start this work of, you know, working on my allyship and the movement of let your body lead and really being conscious around diversity, equity, inclusion. And the place that I, in my opinion, I think you kind of started to land a few weeks ago where it was like, oh, okay, this is, this is different. This is something, this is something else. <laughs> the like, oh shit. Uh-huh. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't realize this is what I was signing up for. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm happy to speak to that journey. Actually, what kind of came up for me when you talked about uh, this subconscious awareness that gets brought into consciousness, that made me think about how, I mean, I know in my bones, and and I mean, there's science to support this too, that like the body always knows, often before the head can kind of catch up and articulate and intellectualize the wisdom of the body. And I think that's similar to what you're saying in that, in that I guess my journey toward you was in part conscious, but in part subconscious and in part was me letting my body lead, even though I didn't totally understand why on an intellectual level. And of course I tried to make up stories why I tried to rationalize and intellectualize. But I think the deeper truth is that my uh, body's wisdom led me to you and And when I think about how this journey toward looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion started, it actually started a long time ago, you know, long before even being in your presence, Erica, Um, in that, like, when I started my business, Worthy and Well, it was all about um, helping and supporting humans in their relationship with their bodies and food. And that was, for me at the time, the merging of my background as a registered dietitian and the work that I'd done in yoga and meditation and Eastern philosophy and sort of realizing that, ooh, there's room to merge these different worlds to support people really in their relationship with their bodies and food. And as that journey continued, I started to just through listening to clients and learning from other people who did work similar to me, I I just really started to realize that people's relationship with food ran so much deeper than what I was taught in university. And as I actually talked to my clients in say larger bodies or in different size bodies, regardless of their size, there were always these issues that would pop up that I think a deep part of me knew were more like systemic issues rather than personal issues that, um, you know, I think we're taught in, in behavior change studies that it's like coach the individual and help them move beyond their blocks. And then you go deep into it and realize like there's some systemic stuff that is deeply rooted in our psyches and in our nervous systems and in our bodies that has to be looked into. And so at that time, my eyes were opened up to questioning culture specifically diet culture to like looking at issues like why are people in larger bodies treated differently than someone like me who's in a a lean body and who has thin privilege and you know i guess my advocacy journey started then in that way where some part of me knew that it wasn't right for there to be 
so much discrimination around bodies in terms of size. And so I think that was kind of my gateway into looking at how systemic influences play into the treatment of certain types of people. But at that time, I didn't really look at, you know, like racism and homophobia and other like, and, and just like discrimination toward people who are disabled versus able-bodied people. Um, and in some ways, I don't know, it's like, it's easy to not look at things that there's a sense might be hard to look at. And also I think my consciousness at that time wasn't at a place where I was ready for the work. And so I guess uh, I have to sort of trust my journey there. Um, and, and I'll even say this, that, that I've been reflecting on lately, that is part of the, the shit that's hard to look at, is when I was doing that advocacy work around bodies back then and looking at mindful eating and raising awareness about the negative in- impacts of diet culture, I even like drove across the country on that mission of like raising awareness about diet culture and, and empowering people to like work with their bodies instead of listening to the messages from the outside about what they should be doing to change their bodies. And at the end of that trip, I um, felt pretty burnt out, you know, because it was like I was sharing a message that was so counter to the norm and so counter to, well, like diet culture's messaging that I felt tired. And I felt like I can't post another single thing about this and maybe I'm being called to do something different in my work. And what I realized now that was, was like kind of like compassion burnout or advocacy burnout. And, and I'm someone, and that's kind of illuminated a certain privilege for me that I could just like, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to just turn away from this and do something else for a while. And I've been reflecting on that because I'm realizing that in this work, it is hard and it does take energy and some people can't escape it. And so I guess some part of me when I um, was building the Let Your Body Lead movement started to notice whether that was, I guess part of it was conscious, part of it was subconscious, part of it was in my body, notice that I wasn't, there was something off about the lack of diversity I felt in how I judged it at the time in my community, meaning like who was showing up to follow me on Instagram? Who are the clients that I'm working with? And although my clients represented like age diversity and size diversity, I was still, and and still am mostly attracting like white women with privilege, you know, white, straight, cisgender women. And there was something about seeing that and knowing in my bigger vision for Let Your Body Lead that, that the practices I was sharing would be used among people that don't just look like me. There was like a disconnect or a tension there. And you, Erica, kind of circled into my world through one of my very first business coaches, Rachel Cook. And through following her, I came across something that you had spoken about and I started following you. Um, And I maybe even reached out right away saying like, Ooh, this, there's something about this that feels important. But I I think quite a bit of time passed months, if not a year before I at least a few months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before I actually reached out and said like, okay, I, I need to look at this. Uh, and I don't really know how to go about it, but I kind of want, I want to attract more diversity into my business. That was definitely the gateway in. And I guess what I've realized is, is, um, what I really needed ran so much deeper than that. It's something that First of all, thank you, because you, I think you gave voice to part of the fact that this isn't something that just pops up and you jump right into it. Again, it is something that I think when the subconscious level is there, then when it becomes conscious, you begin to kind of figure out, okay, what's next? What does this look like? What do I want to do with this? And then it's also just getting to that point of like, okay, I can actually do something. I am, I am strong enough. And you know, of, of sound mind at this point to be able to do it because it's not an easy thing. And to then at some point say, you know, I don't want to do this alone. And I, I do want and need a certain level of support. Um, and I think that 
where we start the journey is very interesting because that's a place to where it's like, yeah, we, we, we think we know what we want. We think we know what we need, what we're doing and where this is going. And nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's laughable. It's so laughable. Like, I guess the part that I'm laughing at, and I mean, this is, this is in relation to the work that I'm doing with you, Erica, but also all the other things, you know, it's not just diversity, equity, and inclusion I'm looking at right now. It's, it's like, what does it mean to be financially secure after having what felt like the rug pulled out from under me with COVID, which I know is a experience that many people share. Uh, but then, you know, also what does this mean for me in my personal life and my personal relationships and dating and all of that stuff. And so it's, it's like the part that makes me chuckle is just, I guess I would define it as like, I think what actually made me want to work with you, it like came from part a deep soulful place, but part totally an egoic place of like, I don't know, I guess wanting some of the superficial results that I thought would come with exploring diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, but in all these other areas of my life too, I feel like the pandemic has really put a magnifying glass on it all for me and shown me all the ways that in some ways my ego needs to crumble a bit and I need to break open and I need to let the discomfort of the vulnerability come through to actually access the root of the truth that is buried somewhere down here in the shit, you know? And so it's like, it's kind of funny how, um, you think you're getting into something for one reason. And then it's like, oh, you thought you could do this easily and bypass the hard stuff to get to the shiny object at the end? Haha, <laughs> kidding. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't work that way for anything. No. And, and so I think the parallels for me around the process with working with you, it's like that process is parale paralleling other processes where I felt like I could almost get away with not being in the shit. And another reason why that's funny is because the let your body lead message and movement is all about these experiences of expansion and contraction. And I will teach my clients all the time, like, your next level of expansion is on the other side of you presencing this contraction that's here right now. And like how much wisdom and value is in the hard stuff. And yet I feel like that message keeps initiating me into um, harder and harder experiences to really live that truth. But then to always circle back to the knowing that like, yeah, that's for me anyway, that, that kind of is how it is. Like it has to be that way. But that's a, I mean, I, I think everybody that is working through uh, any of the things that are hard or difficult or challenging, there is that, that, that point of having to very purposefully reconcile yourself to the acknowledgement that this is not easy. I cannot bypass the messy pieces. I cannot mm -hmm. bypass the parts where I feel like things are falling apart or that I'm having to lose things that I had held on to for a long time that for some are even a part of your own identity and mm -hmm. school of thought from um, say your family of origin or just everything that you knew up yeah. to this point. And, you know, I find that, you know, the things that I think really struck you were not just the things that came up with business because of course again you know some people will start with me and they think oh it's just business and it's like this is life yeah. and I think when you began to really see for yourself where this was affecting you personally and professionally when it came to that evolution you were taking I think that that was definitely something that was like oh okay I didn't see it happening but I can see that it happened because who yeah. you were attracting who you were talking with, um, who you were working with, I think that that shifted. And I think acknowledging that was a part of it as well. And from, from my vantage point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, honestly, what's coming through right now to say is like, it's one thing to talk about and think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, while surrounding yourself with a uh, 
people who have white privilege and, you know, speak the same language and are kind of in your bubble, you know, it, but that keeps it distant. It's not like close to home and it's not real. And so for me, I feel like I um, really started to look at myself and see things differently when I started to have experiences personally with people who, um, have different upbringings than me and don't think the same as me and uh, have different viewpoints and have experienced different traumas, not just in their own lifetime, but intergenerational traumas. And the perspective that comes from that place was like, whoa, this is, uh, I never, I never would have truly changed or embodied a change had I not had like personal experiences. And I guess even as I say this, it's, it's, um, I'm not necessarily grounding this in with a specific example. Uh, but uh, that example might be like dating a, a person of color for the first time ever. Like I'm, I'm, I've been a single woman for a while. And I started seeing that as I looked deeper into myself, I was more attracted to people I probably wouldn't have even seen before, you know, like I've dated mostly white men <laughs> and um, connecting with someone who physically looks different than me made me realize like, oh, why is it that I didn't see this before? Because we're like really connected and really similar. And why am I surprised by that? Like how interesting if he was a, a white man, I wouldn't think anything of it. And so those subtle little things that kind of shine a light on, um, well, I've been kind of calling it like internalized racism, internalized stereotypes that exist within me because of the system that we live in and because of my own upbringing, you know, I definitely have internalized racism and homophobia and, and fat phobia and all of this stuff. And like, how could I not? considering that that is embedded within our system. But I didn't really see that or realize it until I was like getting to know someone in my personal life who was of a different race and had a different background and living these very real moments of like, oh, like, holy shit. And kind of being called out on some stuff that illuminated my privilege um, and, and made me like reflect in a way that was closer to home rather than like, oh, my ego wants to attract people who look different from me because I think that this work is for all people. Uh, you know, it's like there's a different level of realness in these uh, experiences. Does that make any sense what I just said? Yeah, it, it, it does. And I think that part of it is, you know, what you said in that it is one thing to kind of attract it from a sense of like, yes, I want to have different types of people around. It's another to be at this place of acknowledging, well, why was this maybe not happening? Or why was this not a given? Or yeah. you know, why did I process this as any different to just see this person as an individual and whatever contributes to that versus, you know, having to acknowledge like, I am now dating someone of color and I didn't even realize where this is different and what I wasn't paying attention to consciously yeah. or unconsciously. And that is a part of that systemic processing. Totally. And I think like, uh, at least for me, but I, I bet this is true for a lot of people, like there's inherent confirmation bias and how we exist. Like it feels safer. We feel like we belong when we find our, our people that think like us and want the same things. And, you know, there's, there's a safety in that. Sometimes it even just feels like expansion, you know, which feels like all of us as humans are wired to want to move away from pain and discomfort and toward pleasure and expansion. And so I think there's this uh, safety that comes from seeking out people who have the same belief systems or experiences or whatever. There's a place of connection that that happens there. And I, and, and I guess what I'm realizing is like that connection that I can find is with 
and this sounds so stupid to actually speak out loud, but it's with literally all types of people, all different backgrounds, races, whatever. There's like universal truths that make people human. And, and, but there was some part of my brain that didn't know that before. But see, part of that is the fact of what you can, what is it that you can absorb as possible and normal in the sense that, um, whether it's the person that you happen to be dating or, um, you know, people that are on your team, people that you are hiring and working with, you are in a place of possibly seeing things that are part of their reality that I don't think showed up on the radar before. And I think that that's a huge thing to acknowledge because there are some people that are, yes, going to feel called and attracted to people that share, um, you know, similar values and things like that. But there's also going to be this place of just going where it's comfortable. And so if you can't even go beyond what your comfort zone is and what you have already accepted to be true, then it is difficult to attract people outside of that because it's like, okay, their reality isn't the same as mine, but I haven't gotten to a place that I can even see that that's possible. It's like your, your brain has not allowed you to see it yet. It's almost like, you know, the matrix, the red pill and the blue pill. You have not yet taken the pill to see the programming of what makes a a lot of it, you know, if I'm going to call it bluntly calling it bullshit, you know what I mean? You, You can't acknowledge it until you can acknowledge it that makes sense totally yeah yeah and i mean a good example of that is is um the just what's happened recently with ahmad like i wouldn't without having you in my world erica and without having my person who works on my team in social media who also lives in the united states and is a black woman i wouldn't and i'm here in canada so it's like it would be so easy a year ago i wouldn't have like maybe i would have heard about this noticed it but i definitely would have been complicit in silence and not feel like i have any place to engage in conversation around that but suddenly opening up the dialogue and opening up i think the intention too like i think my intention to explore this i mean that came from a deep soulful place within me and has attracted more opportunities to, to just learn from different people. But it's kind of like without you in my world this closely and without my team member in my world as closely as she is and without hearing the, the perspectives and the hurt and the traumatization and all of this stuff, it's like I just wouldn't be engaged in the same way. And so I guess, what am I even saying? (laughs) It just feels like that's the piece that, I guess I have this deeper trust that I'm exactly where I need to be on the journey and that this is how it's gonna go. Like my advocacy, my allyship is going to happen from the inside out and there's no other way for it to happen and it be authentic. And so this experience over the last week, that is an example of of being genuinely connected to a cause from the inside out because people I've come to not just like work with or hire, but like care about and love, I'm seeing firsthand and empathizing with the like the hurt in it that's really present in those realities, you know? I think that this gave I think that this brought up a different type of opportunity, but it also kind of tapped on the shoulder something that we've discussed before, which is the kind of being in and out of the work. And this is an example of how you kind of can't truly be out of it. There are places where I do think sometimes our soul needs to heal or we need to rest and recoup. But this is a good example of how, you know, being out of it, kind of isn't possible because you know what is lost and in many cases you know it is it is lives that are being lost yeah totally and inequity like is glaring right in the eyes so i guess from my perspective it's like i can see this inequity and 
you know, before, say a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, I could still in some ways see the inequity. But I think when things are kind of like, and this feels terrible to say, like far enough away, when you have enough like detachment, <laughs> it's easier to just like, not my problem, it, you know, and, and be quiet and be silent and not use your voice. And I just feel like, oh, that's not an option anymore. And it scares the shit out of me. Proximity facilitates plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. And it is a, it is an earth shattering thing to acknowledge that that is where you have sat at some point. And I don't think anyone is um, exempt from that, you know, and it can be based on race, it can be based on sex or gender, any type of inequality um, or just injustice. I think everybody's had a point where they're like, I didn't know, I didn't see, I didn't understand. Uh, and I don't think that focusing on what you didn't know is helpful in the big scheme of things, just like anything else. If you're trying a new recipe and you burn it, there's nothing you can do now. It's burnt. There's right. nothing you can do. And so that is not to... Uh, by any means distill or to diminish lives or the way that lives are being impacted uh, by the lack of knowledge. But there is nothing that you can do to to recoup that. You can't fix that. You can only do going forward, which right. is why it's important to say, I didn't know and now I do. And I, I, I can't go back. And, right. and you've even mentioned that. That's the whole thing. You can't. And so what do you then do? That to me is where it, it matters the most because you can't undo. Right. But once you know, now what's next? Well, and I think you also bring up a really good point that there have been moments where I did see, you know, like you're talking about when you, you don't know what you don't know or you don't see what you mm -hmm. don't see. And that right. like, there's nothing you can do about that. If something's not in your consciousness and like, you know, compassion, move on, right? Mm -hmm. but, but there are these moments too. And I'd be lying if I said that I'd never, you know, seen, witnessed an inequity, felt the contraction in my body, felt the anger of injustice and not done anything about it because I didn't know how to do it in a way that would, I don't know, keep people from judging me for messing it up. Like, it's like, I think that really blocks us is when you think you don't know how, what, what the right thing to do is. And there's an overwhelm with like, how am I going to be judged for engaging in this conversation? I see it. I can't unsee it, but I could still choose to not do anything about it. And I think that's the part that's tricky. And I think that's the level that uh, I'm in right now is like, what's my responsibility once I do see something and how can I, I love how you use the term, like take imperfect action or be an imperfect ally. Like I'm, I've pretty much had to accept that my ego's going to crumble a bit and I'm going to mess some things up and I'm probably going to hurt people. And some people are going to disagree with me and whatever. But at this point, it's like, I can't choose silence or copping out. And, um, and I guess, you know, back to your piece about like, you can't sort of change the past. You can't, you know, uh, go back. If you've already burnt the bread, the bread is burnt, <laughs> but, uh, what can I do moving forward? And, and I don't know the answer to that and the details of that, but I guess the piece that I do know is, I can use my voice and I can use my privilege and I don't know how exactly or what that's going to look like, but I have a sense that it has something to do with seeing more and putting myself in uncomfortable situations to see more, but then taking it a step further and just practicing the discomfort of imperfect action and learning along the way you know, um, yeah. and letting my ego have a little fit and to get worried about being judged and do, and do it anyway, you know? And putting that ego aside, 
that can try to show up and it's like, you know, I don't want to be judged or I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to be wrong. Uh, essentially that piece that says, I don't want to be seen working through my process. I don't yeah. want to be seen in the messy middle of this. And Ugh. it's, <laughs> and, and it's funny because it all, it honestly, a part of that in what you said in, in, you know, throughout our conversation, I want to call out something that I think is also very important that I've, I have found this happen very often when working with people. And it's that, you know, we try to find ways to, um, and I'm going to use the example of, you know, where I talked about, um, you know, the, the cooking analogy. And when we're talking about things and we're trying to find small humanizing places to work through this, and there are these small moments of, of laughter and things like this. And these things don't come up to minimize the weight of what we're talking about. They come up because you are trying to find a way to get through something that is hard as hell. Mm -hmm. You're trying to work through, you know, how to wrap your brain around, I can do something that every fiber in your body is saying, oh my God, this could be putting me in danger. But you also having to acknowledge that denying it means that you are denying that there are people that live in that danger every day. Exactly. That doesn't make your brain feel any differently about it. And so, you know, the way that you process through that is a part of you trying your best to grasp something and say, it's okay, it's okay, it's all right. And being able to keep moving forward. Because again, um, it, it, when it gets hard, this is when it's just like, I don't know how to do this. And you posted a video on um, Instagram and it was a great example of what it looks like to be in the middle of something and you are trying your best to convey something that really doesn't have words. You are working through these emotions that are going through this huge spectrum that includes frustration and tears and fear and animosity and, you know, insert word here. And the fact that this is not easy. None of it is easy, but it also is not easy to look away from it. Again, you kind of using that matrix reference, you know, once you know, that's it. <laughs> you, know? mm -hmm. you, you can't deny what you have seen that has proven itself to you to be true. And you can't turn away mm -hmm. because your conscience has now said this goes against our, our ethics and our values and our ethos to do this. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Mm -hmm. And now here, what? Here we are Googling what centering means after, mm -hmm. you know, like, like the, what I'm judging as what's probably the most basic stuff in social justice movements. Like these, there's terminology that's used, that's thrown around that, you know, like, I don't know I, it's like, Oh, I just feel like such a noob, you know, it's kind of like, uh, nobody likes being a beginner at something. And I'm like, oh, I should know what this means. And I don't. And so I'm going to go Google it, you know, and it's like, I'm based on watching a woman of color speak about this same circumstance on her Instagram and talking about how uh, white or white passing people should show up and using terminology that I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And I got to go find out and I should know what it means. And like, how could I be so dumb at this? Like that's sometimes the internalized uh, judgment, you know, and then, and then I feel silly for even thinking about myself or worrying about myself in that way, because I can escape it or turn the other way. Whereas people who are living lives as minorities or, or feeling marginalized, like there is no escaping and it's just really messy. You're right. But you can't, I can't not. There is a, it is not easy, but there's also a release and acknowledging that I am no longer willing to, to just be okay with this anymore. I'm no willing, no more willing to, ignore it to not be a part of dismantling something that I know is hurtful and harmful because on a human level, I don't want someone to feel things that I know that I wouldn't want to feel. Yeah. And so I don't want to, 
be silently complicit in something that I am very clearly seeing mm -hmm. is, is it's, it's foolishness, it's fuckery, it's not okay. And it's not the type of thing that I want to uh, be a part in furthering. Mm -hmm. And while I am never going to say that this is easy, I also want to acknowledge that there is, um, there's necessity in it. And there is something to be said about that place of like, oh, I didn't know. And there's a certain place of like, I, there is progression here. There is, you know, this progress that's happening. And while it felt like, yeah, maybe, I, you know, nothing's happening and I'm just doing this and do I have to do this? And then it's like, oh, no, there is something happening because now I see it and I can't oh. go back. And I, I don't want to, but I, you know, I think that that's a part of what happens as well. Well, and you know, you know, what's harder than this process <laughs> is like being out of integrity inside of yourself, even if it's a thing that only, you know, that's harder. That's more painful than being in the messy process of doing what's right. I know it's, I, I mean, on one level, it's easier to just like do what's easy, even if it is out of integrity, but eventually that'll eat you up inside. You know, like I, I remember this, I've had this profound moment when I was 25 uh, in meditation. It was my like first experience of a meditation experience that was beyond just experiencing relaxation and um, having kind of stress management tools. It was my first sort of awakening experience in meditation. And this, it was this awakening to like a really profound truth about what my purpose on the planet was. And I was 25. And, and I remember at that time, I was like obsessed with this idea of purpose or Dharma. And I kept like asking this question, like, well, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? I know I'm only 25, but what if I knew it now? What difference could I make by the time I'm 70 was my thinking at the time. And I was in meditation and I had this like really profound awakening experience where what I thought I was looking for, for an answer to that question was like, go back and quit your job and start this business and do this. Like, that's what I thought I was asking for when I was asking, what's your purpose? Mm -hmm. And what came in a very embodied way that only I will know and that I can't properly articulate was this deep connection to my purpose being love, period, unconditional love. And so it's kind of like, I can say that on a superficial level and it can sound pretty cheesy, like my purpose is love, but the depth of that experience for me and the truth of it that I've carried with me since that day in meditation, it's like, what does unconditional love really mean? Like, how can I actually live out unconditional love without looking at privilege and inequity, you know? And so what's harder to me than doing the work and being in the messy process is actually like consciously turning my head away from something and being out of integrity with what I know my deepest purpose in life is, you know? And so it's like, of course, there's that, uh, I don't know, integrity feels fucking good, regardless of how hard the process is. So there are the micro rewards along the journey, like richer conversations, learning, growth, like I value growth and, and the people that I'm calling in who are different from me are teaching me a lot about how to grow. But even more than that, it's like, I know deep within myself, even if it feels like my business is falling apart or it feels like choices are going to uh, lead to less profit, which is also something I care about. Even if all of that is true, the knowing that doing the work is connected to the depths of my purpose on the planet, <laughs> it's like, that's what matters, you know? Like, of course, I'm going to keep doing it. So 
with all of the things that we've talked about and all of the things that we've said, if you had to, I guess, sum up um, the time that you've spent with me, the experience that you've had, if you wanted to share something with someone listening and, you know, possibly seeing themselves or struggling with the fact that they see themselves represented more than what feels comfortable at this moment, there's anything that you could give as your gift at this moment, what would that be? Uh, the words that are coming through me right now are, it's a total trip. <laughs> like, like it's a trip and life is a trip. And I believe that life is a trip that's worth living fully and living fully. Isn't just like staying numb and being blind and only experiencing these like micro moments of like little bits of expansion living fully is like digging into the mud and and letting yourself break apart so that you can experience even more like love and expansion and truth and so i feel like when i think about how i would describe my work with you erica is like it's a total trip and you're such a wonderful person to be on this trip with, to navigate this journey with. Uh, I think because of the space you hold for compassionate and non-judgmental imperfection. You know, like if you were someone who expected perfection and didn't know how to hold space for process, it would be really challenging to let the transformations that are required actually happen. And so, I mean, just like I think we need to create safer and braver spaces for all types of people and um, maybe especially people who haven't been able to access those braver, safer spaces. As someone like me, who is a white woman with lots of privilege in a lot of different directions, I also need a safe space to navigate messily what my process is. And I need to know that, that, uh, that my process is valuable. And just because I have privilege doesn't mean that I'm not human and that I don't hurt and that I don't fall apart and that I don't, you know, all of that stuff. And, um, and I guess this is the piece where it's like, obviously we know that, people of color, people from different marginalized groups hold a lot of emotional labor in um, educating and like paying you for that feels, feels like good. And I'm so grateful just as a human that you embody such like kindness and compassion and acceptance to help me navigate my process um, and to be, I guess, on my team which sometimes looks like tough love and sometimes looks like a gentle hand um so it's a trip and we all need support on the various trips that we go on this just being one of them um and you being someone who is an amazing support for this type of journey thank you <laughs> you're welcome i i appreciate being able to hold space for you on the journey that you are on. And I am grateful that you were willing to be brave in this moment and to share this with mm -hmm. others that I think needed to have the things that you said reflected back. And again, to see themselves in it, but also to see what's possible. So mm -hmm. for your time, for your bravery, for your transparency, and your honesty for all of those things and more. Casey, thank you. Oh gosh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for all that you do and all that you hold. Pause on the Play is about community support, having the powerful and necessary conversations, knowing that it is safe to actually do that and to know that you don't have to do it alone. You have an opportunity to be next to others, shoulder to shoulder, that are looking to make impact, things that are bigger than themselves, and to actually make the world the type of things that we're all going to be able to participate in and to be able to receive what we need from it, to have an equitable place for all of us. 
These are the types of things that are important to us and that we foster within the community. This is our space created within Pause on the Play that is especially for you. Doesn't matter where you are in your business. It doesn't matter where you are in your visibility journey. This is a place where you can receive support, talk with others, get through all of the messy middle and know that you have a room full of people that are cheering you on and willing to help you. Going over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community today in order to apply, learn more, and get your seat in the room. Examining your beliefs, questioning your predisposed notions, considering the realities you're unfamiliar with, knowing that they're real. There's not much that we won't talk about here. It's because we want you to know that it's safe to talk about it and you don't have to do it on your own. We talk candidly so that we can open minds and hearts to different ways of thinking, feeling, and being. We want to bridge the gaps that contribute to fostering empathy. Pause on the play is about the things that matter, the things we all need, the things we all look for. Diversity, equity, inclusion. These are only just a few of the things that we stand by, for, and behind. We're here to get you challenging those assumptions, shattering those expectations, and stepping into the light of your own visibility. Share it with a friend. Get them to step in with you. Know that you can do this. And until the next time. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?